I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, sponsored by Vortex Optics. I'm your host, Toby Leary, co-owner of Cape Gunworks, and feel free to tune in every week as we go live and we record the show. Go to capegunworks.com, and you can click on Rapid Fire to be a part of the conversation. We will let you know when we go live, and then you can type your questions into the chat. And remember to like us on all the social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks. All the mainstream ones and all the new alternate ones, we should be there. We're here, there, and everywhere. So uh, at Cape Gunworks, the usuals, like I said, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Then we got some of the smaller ones, Parlor, uh, Twitch, Daily Motion, Getter, Telegram. So, and we're ever growing that list. You can also find our podcast if you go to wherever you find your podcast, type in Rapid Fire, all one word, and it should pop up. We archive this show on our website, so capegunworks.com, Rapid Fire. And we are into Season 2, Episode 23 of 26. So Season 2 is almost in the bag. we got a few episodes left, and we're going to start Season 3 of our podcast and radio show. So we're really excited that it's growing, and we're really excited to be a part uh, of your weekly routine, whether you listen to our archives or you listen live as it happens. And hopefully, you're willing to be a part of the show. So that would be great. So um, we'll get to your questions. We also have gun talk news to talk about. And uh, as far as I know, no one has challenged this statement yet that we are the only 2A talk radio on the East Coast, or at least Mass, Massachusetts area. But maybe as you spread out a little bit and get beyond our listening ears on the radio. Uh, there's some 2A talk out there. I know a lot of it happens in the course of general talk radio. And by the way, you can catch us on uh, the Grace Curley Show every Tuesday for 2A Tuesday. But this week it was 2A Wednesday because I was flying yesterday. So we had a good time on the Grace Curley Show uh, a couple hours ago. And it was a lot of time, a lot of good questions came on. And uh, so we'll talk to Keith Langer a little bit later about some of the questions that came up in today's show on Grace Curley, and uh, so we'll see what he has to say about that. And maybe I gave some bad advice, but we're going to find out. <laughs> Sometimes I play a lawyer on uh, the radio. I never play one on TV. Uh, they wouldn't have me. Uh, I got a face for radio, as my friends like to say whenever they see me, but um, <laughs> and a voice for print. So, uh, no, hopefully you're enjoying this show as much as I am doing it. So um, it's been a good time. So yeah, anyway, that's what we got going on. Uh, some gun news. Uh, I found an article on AmmoLand.com uh, back on October 5th 
that says a judge holds DC liable for violating 2A rights. And I was like, ooh, this is a good one. You heard it here first, folks. No, I'm just kidding. You heard it first on uh, Ammo Land. But anyway, uh, this is a class action lawsuit that was filed against the government of the District of Columbia for violating the constitutional rights of people who had been arrested before the Wren case was decided on July 25th, 2021. The lawsuit was brought under the 1983 Civil Rights Act. This is like music to my ears because because I used to say like I can't buy a gun in Massachusetts without jumping through all these hoops. When is someone going to come along and just file a civil rights lawsuit? Like if you were to like you know extrapolate this to other constitutional rights like the first amendment or the fourth amendment or even like i don't know what amendment it is but the the one that has upheld roe v wade you know so if you were to prohibit someone from accessing an abortion or something like that you would be sued promptly in court for violating civil rights and same thing goes with you know first amendment which also is under attack these days but the second amendment has been the redheaded stepchild of the bill of rights for a long time and I remember when I was 18 years old all the hoops I had to jump through to get my license in order to exercise my right and I was so mad I was like where is the justice for the second amendment like when is I remember thinking like where are the Bill Cokes of the world or some billionaire out there that's got money to burn and likes guns that could sue the federal government or sue the state government into the Stone Age, like, and just keep coming with lawsuits because, frankly, the the state is playing with house money, and which is your money, by the way. So they're using your money to fund the revocation and deprivation of your civil rights. If that doesn't get you mad, like, you're not really paying much attention. A lot of people are like, yeah, but guns are dangerous, like. What do you need a gun for? If I had a nickel for every time somebody said, what do you need a gun for? Why, why do you need a machine gun? Why do you, nobody needs an AR-15. Like, my gosh, you know, no one needs you to be breathing the air that everyone else can breathe either. But here you are. So we don't live in a needs-based society, right? We live in a free society. That's what, Patrick Henry said anyway, like, give me liberty or give me death. Like, those are the options, right? And Ah. a lot of our founding fathers paid the ultimate price to give us and recognize these rights and make sure that they weren't uh, taken away or leaned or compromised in any way, shape, or form. So here we are, you know, 2021. And the federal government has been fully weaponized from department level to cabinet position to elected politicians to the White House and everything in between from court systems to, uh, you know, appointed positions to regulations and code and municipal bylaws and uh you know, city ordinances 
to everything else, even down to the private level where, you know, people are like, oh, I was in a business in Denver on a Sunday and I was in a taco shop and I know it was a high crime area and I know what they were trying to accomplish, but I walk in and it's got a big sign with a gun and a knife. It's like no weapons allowed with a big red, you know, circle and X through it. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, here's a private business saying, I don't want you bringing a weapon into my business. And I'm like, man, you know, and again, I get it. It was a rundown high crime area and there's probably been holdups and stuff like that. But there's people out there that, you know, could help in that situation if you allowed them to carry a gun on that, you know, in their store. But, you know, people want to blame the item, blame the, the tool, blame the implement and give it a personality, personify some tool or implement as an evil object. And the fact of the matter remains, objects are inert unless they are being used by somebody else. A tool will lie there on a desk until somebody comes along and picks it up and puts it to use. And it can be used for good or for bad. And that's the part that people don't want to recognize, is that within all of us is the propensity to do good or evil. It, it, it's there. And unless you keep yourself disciplined and you surround yourself with good people and mentors and influence and positivity, you know, there's people that are a product of their environment. They end up on the bad side of the coin. All right, join us for the Gunmakers Match, a shooting contest for gunmakers being held at Cape Gunworks for the first time, November 20th and 21st. You want to be there because it's going to be amazing. You can build your own gun and then shoot in our competition. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the Gunmakers banner to register. We want to see you there. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Tom. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC-3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC-3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low-light shooting, and because the reticle is glass-etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target up to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC-3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC-3. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, co-owner of Cape Gunworks. And if you haven't been down to see the shop, we would love to have you. We're in Hyannis, Massachusetts, 96 Airport Road, real close to the airport. So 
Um, come on down and see us at the shop. We have a great pro shop. We have a state-of-the-art indoor shooting range. And we have a classroom that we do lots of classes in. So if you have any questions about what we have in stock, you can always uh, hit us up on the web. Go to capegunworks.com or you can email us at info at capegunworks.com. All right, enough about that. And to finish my thought before we go to the phones, uh, Frank I, is on hold and I want to get to his call real quick. But just finishing up that thought, um, this was a very welcome uh lawsuit that I saw in the DC, uh, you know, that they are, there's people now challenging uh, the infringement of their civil rights, which I think is a very positive step in the right direction. And they also got a favorable outcome. I know there was six plaintiffs involved and the judge ruled on three of them and threw kind of three of the cases out, but still ruled on three of them. So uh, we'll see where that goes. I'm sure it'll be appealed. You never know, but um I'm really glad to see that come through the pipeline. But anyway, we got Frank on the line. Let's get to him. Uh, Frank, I appreciate the call. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. It's no a great problem. show you have here. Oh, great. Uh, I'm new I'm new to firearms. I got my LTC uh, this past winter shopping for my first handgun. Okay. And um, I'm often disappointed to learn that it's something I see on a catalog just learning the brands and so forth is not available. It's not mass compliant. And I understand the magazine limits to 10, 10 rounds, but everything else is really unclear to me. I, I see, to me, I, it looks like a car. You buy a Jeep Cherokee, you can get a Laredo, you can get a limited, whatever. It's still a Jeep Cherokee. Right. But in these rules, there's only one you can get. That's not necessarily what I want. Um, and so what, just what is it? I hear different things. I know the capacity is one issue. But what are the other things that make something mass compliant and what isn't? That's a great question. And so uh, let me give you a little history as to where this comes from. This is uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts under the Executive Office of Public Safety um, had some laws. I think it's uh, Chapter 140, Section 120 or something like that, where there's a Consumer Protection Act where uh, the Massachusetts government said, you know what, we got to keep people safe, even though this had nothing to do with safety. It had everything to do with control and banning firearms. So they said, but they used this law to their advantage. They're like, well, cars have seatbelts. So we want to make sure that firearms sold in the state of Massachusetts are safe. So they came up with this Mr. Wizard formula and testing matrix that they uh, make every gun manufacturer who wants to sell a gun in the state of Massachusetts go through. They got to jump through all these hoops, pay a ton of money, send four or five guns to these testing labs, and they drop them, they burn them, they shoot them, they, you know, whatever they do, kick them across the floor. I don't know. But they, yeah. if they pass all the tests, then they can go on the approved firearms roster, which is supposed to be updated quarterly. Now it's updated probably biannually every once in a while we'll get three out of it in the year but um yeah and then but not so fast because the attorney general also has a set of rules that aren't laws they're called cmr's commonwealth of massachusetts regulations and now they have a whole nother set of rules that they have to abide by like grip size and trigger pull and um you know, uh, whether it has a loaded chamber indicator or not, oh, or my. safety 
uh, all that stuff. So this is all separate from the magazine capacity, which is across the board for everybody at 10 rounds or less. But so there's guns on the mass approved weapons roster that we can't sell in the store because they don't meet the attorney general's regulations or now they even do, but they haven't been submitted. They haven't submitted an affidavit saying that they do. So long story short, um, the government in all of its kindness has issued us a list of guns that we can buy and it's called the mass approved weapons roster or the approved firearms roster it was last updated in june of 2021 and if you go if you just google mass approved weapons roster you'll find it it's a i think about a 20 page document and it lists it's 28 pages excuse me um lists all the guns that you can buy in massachusetts and you're right. It's like if you want, go to a Jeep and you're like, I want the uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee or I want the Jeep, you know, Laredo package, whatever. It's like, well, not so fast. You can't have that one in Massachusetts. But you can have the Jeep Wrangler in red, black or tan as long as you don't get it with AC and power windows. You know what I mean? Like the <laughs> yeah. stuff you actually... <laughs> Yeah, the stuff you actually want on the gun, you can't have in Massachusetts. You want a SIG 320 without a thumb safety? Eh, sorry, you know, that's not happening. But um, So, yeah, I hope that clears it up for you, Frank. It's clear as mud. But if you go down you, to... Yeah. What's up? No, no, I, you did make it clear. It's what I thought. It really isn't yeah. about, you know, any safety issues. No. It's just making it difficult for people to get a firearm. Right. It makes, they're all 9 millimeters. They're all going to do the same damage. But right. That was the difference. Yep. I mean, it's, you know, and that's what I was, yeah, and it's funny you should say the 320s because that's what I'm looking at. I mean, it's, I don't want an M17. I don't want to buy a target pistol. So there's one that with the X5, it doesn't have a safety. Right. And, I, and I'm thinking, what is it? <laughs> no. Well, the good news about it? that is uh-huh. uh, SIG actually was pretty smart when they built that gun. They have these things called the fire control unit now, and it's the firearm. It's the trigger mechanism, the magazine well, and the springy parts that make it go bang. That's a really highly technical explanation of a gun, by the way. Well, and uh, my level right now. <laughs> so <laughs> you can buy this fire control unit, and you can drop it into a, a grip module, and then you can put a slide on it, a barrel, and a recoil spring, and it'll go bang. So you kind of, it's like Legos for adults. You build your own gun. It's real easy to do. We can show you how to do it. And okay. we sell the fire control unit for the 320 and the 365. So if you want to get the gun without the thumb safety, you can buy the SIG Legion or you can buy this fire control and build it into the carry gun that you want. It's a very, you know, versatile gun. So that's what I'd look at and uh, you'd be able to get the one that you want. So, um, okay. Yeah, it's a good that's, way to go. That's been helpful. I All appreciate right. it. Thanks for the All call, right. Frank. Keep up the good work. You're All right. very welcome. Take care. You yeah. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that's the way it is in Afghanistan, people. Um, it's our rights are being tread on and flaunted basically in our face. And even elected officials that have no business writing law and uh, their job is to enforce existing law will come out every once in a while and create a law or a new regulation and put the hammer down and say that if you don't comply with this new regulation that I'm creating, then you're going to be subject to a $10,000 fine as we prosecute you. You're going to fund your own prosecution. 
And I'm like, man, this is this is brilliant because they go after the whatever three or four hundred gun dealers instead of you know the three hundred thousand gun owners or whatever the number is in Massachusetts. That's probably a lot more than that actually. And instead of saying we're gonna go come door to door and collect your AR-15 like Beto O'Rourke style, um, they're gonna just put the choke on the gu- on the gun dealers who have their livelihood tied up and and then say, oh, and if you don't comply with our edict, then we're going to shut you down. So it's crazy, but that's the way things are. And then the governor kind of st- sits back and gives the golf clap and the and the everybody else, the legislature is like, oh, yeah, doing something against crime. And then the Boston PD uh, chief says, well, you know, we really don't get these guns off the streets of Boston, but it's going to make us all safer anyway. Really? If... If you're not taking the guns off the street in the first place, how is it making you safer by making sure that I can't buy one? It doesn't. In fact, it probably, I would argue that it makes the communities less safe whenever you restrict people's access to the gun of their choice. Go figure. I'm on the uh, losing side of that argument, unfortunately. Not, I don't think, with the majority of people in Massachusetts, but with the politicians that are in charge and tell us what we should think and how we should feel. And yeah. All right, let's get to some of these questions here. Um, Davey says, I definitely put the wrong social security number on my paperwork at another store. Do you think it will get me denied? I always get a hold, so I'm waiting to hear from them. Um, I don't think you'll get a hold or denied. Um, I doubt it. I honestly... I've I've seen that kind of error made before, um, but expect a knock in the dark of night on the door by the men in black to sort things out. No, I'm just kidding. I think you'll be fine, Davey. Uh, you never know. I've seen people put wrong information. <laughs> yeah. It's not dominoes. Did you put the wrong number on the papers? I'm here to see your papers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, uh Alex is chiming in that before he left yesterday, we had 357 and 380 ammo for for the range. I think Alex is just trying to start a war here. He's trying to break the internet like 357 and 380 on the same day. What are you crazy? I mean, we did have some. The problem is the 380 is very limited because we didn't get enough to really go, you know, unlimited on so we are back to uh limiting some ammo uh so 380 is limited 20 gauge slugs and 12 gauge slugs are limited and probably the 357 but other than that buy as much 9 556 762 by 39 as you want as you to your heart's content um skunk says i'm on the belief that if the fbi shows up at any school board meeting they should be arrested what happened to my chat? That was weird. Oh, somebody must have chimed in and bumped me off. They should be arrested. They have no jurisdiction and they're violating the Constitution. Yeah, you know, I sat there and listened to a lot of those uh, those comments in the Senate and the House and listen to them dance around that question. And man, that is very frustrating when you see the true crime that's going on in this world and FBI agents are going to the school committee meeting 
Oh my god. If you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, we have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies only and couples classes at capegunmerch.com. So come take a class today. I'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Lear. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Attorney Keith G. Langer, not just a gun rights lawyer, but a fellow gun owner at home on the range as well as in court. I can help you obtain or regain your firearms license, recover or transfer your firearms, and defend you against firearms or other criminal charges. I can also help protect your property with will sets, including trusts, healthcare proxies, and powers of attorney zoning or other permitting issues, as well as collections and civil litigation. To schedule a consultation, call 508-384-8692. That's 508-384-8692. Or visit my website, kglangerlaw.com. Talk to you soon. All right, welcome back to uh, Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, co-owner of Cape Gunworks. Join us every week at go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire so you can be notified when we go live and listen to this podcast and radio show as we record it, and we'll answer your questions as they roll in. People like to call, people like to text in and do the chat thing on all the different social media platforms that we're broadcasting on. Uh, and this week we are joined as usual with attorney Keith Langer, who is a great attorney in the state of Massachusetts here. And he's also a, a shooter himself, uh, to a activist, if you will, and, uh, a great, uh, 
contributor to this show. So, Keith, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? Oh, gorgeous day. Not that I got out much into it. How about you? It is beautiful out, and I love this weather, and I could live with this year-round, but I think it would be called San Diego if we had this weather year-round. So <laughs> you never know. Um, ah! So, Keith, uh, we got some questions in the off air that I thought we should look at real quick and see uh, see what your thoughts are on them. One is, and we've addressed this a little bit on the show previously, but um, one guy says he travels the country in his RV with his wife and, you know, they go to basically state parks and recreation areas and drive around and, you know, do the tourist thing. But he drives all over the country and he always brings a firearm with him, but he says he locks it up and unloads it. But he he's worried that at some point if somebody was like breaking into the RV at night or whatever and he, he ended up shooting them, uh, what what would what could he potentially be looking at? And is it legal for him to to do that in the way that he does? And is there any coverage if the state that he's in has like a castle doctrine for that being considered a domicile? Or is that not a domicile because it's a mobile RV? So I figured we'd ask the expert and see what you have to say on that matter. Well, that's rather an abstruse subject. <laughs> Plus, it depends on whether you are truly living in the RV or whether it's merely a recreational vehicle and you have a real, honest-to-God, uh, mortar-and-timber house somewhere. Mm -hmm. If you've got a real house somewhere, then the RV is not your home. There are people who just have an RV, and they, with great difficulty managed to set up a domicile in one state or another, usually Texas or Florida. Uh, banking is a challenge, but the mobile home is their home. But if you just have one that you use uh, on weekends and for vacation, then it's clearly not your home. Mm -hmm. And then to get even more complex, are you driving a motorhome or are you towing a trailer with your vehicle? Hmm. Because you've got the gun with you in the vehicle, and it's clearly not even close to a residence. And it's clearly not a domicile issue, and the castle law is totally inapplicable. Got it. Of course, the bottom line is, if you end up having to use it, those issues are the least of your problems. True. And if you're securing it while you're underway, then you're less liable than if it is not secured. Because the theory is if you're driving it, you're not exactly living in it, but once you park it, hook up to power and water, then it's functioning as a residence, and you would have a legitimate basis for unsecuring the firearm and making it accessible. Right. But and, and you're, you're legally able to get safe passage through every state in the Union, correct? Well, FOPA only applies when you're traveling from a place you are legal to be armed with in the beginning and at the end. Mm -hmm. It does not apply to meanders here, there, and everywhere, which is exactly what the RVs are for. Got it. And if you're traveling with a gun under FOPA, the Firearms Owners Protection Act, the gun has to be locked where you can't get to it, and the ammunition has to be separate, sure. which is 
not what this guy is talking about. Well, I think it is, except that, you know, he's obviously sleeping somewhere at night in the RV. And I think the situation he was referring to was, you know, he's in whatever, the Walmart parking lot or wherever the heck he pulls up in the RV park, if you will. And someone's trying to get in, get access to his RV, his quote-unquote domicile, whether it be temporary or not. And he unlocks the case, loads the gun, and defends himself with the firearm. Uh, Would he be, you know, obviously... He's under whatever state he's in. I know that that's one out of 50, <laughs> but and it's different for every state. But um, is there anything else that he should be thinking about if he does choose to travel that way? Well, there are so many, but the bottom line is the gun should not be uh, loaded and accessible while he's in motion. Right. That's the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the rest, any sort of castle doctrine defense to the extent the state you're in has one will be an affirmative defense. Sure. And the Firearms Owners Protection Act will be an affirmative defense. So, as we've said so many times in these scenarios, you feel lucky today. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Today on the Grace Curley Show, uh, I had a couple of questions come in as well. And one of them, I don't mean to throw a curveball on you and switch gears here, but um, I just want to make sure I gave out sound advice. I said earlier that uh, I don't ever play a lawyer on TV. Sometimes I get forced into playing one on the radio, even though uh, I should. I have no business doing that. But um, people look to me as firearms expert, and sometimes I defer to the actual legal expert who can research. So if you don't know the answer to this right now and you want to get back to us, that's fine. But the question was, can you add a plus base plate to a pre-band magazine? So in other words, you got a Glock 19 pre-band mag. Can you get one of those like Taryn Butler base plates that add three, five, six rounds, whatever, and still be compliant? Or have you now created a new magazine that is no longer mass compliant? Well, the question is whether it was large capacity before the addition of the base plate. Yeah, let's assume it was. So it was a 15-round pre-band Glock 19 mag, and then uh, it he wanted to make it a pre-band Glock 19 20-round mag, so he throws a TTI plus 5 base plate on it. Well, it was large capacity and pre-band before you put the base plate on. It's large capacity pre-band after you put the base plate on. Yeah. That's not the issue. The problem is when people take a 10-round mag and put plus base pads on them. Right, yeah. Yep. At that point, you took a standard post-band 10-round mag and made a post-band large capacity magazine out of it, and that's what they would get you on. Right. No, I get that. Yeah, that's... That makes a lot of sense. I just think pre-band high cap doesn't matter. You can replace the springs, the followers, the base plates, everything to them, right? You're not manufacturing a new magazine if you replace a part on it, and it's not changing the definition of what it was. So I think I gave him sound advice. Not bad for an amateur lawyer, huh? Quit when you're ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will. I definitely will. So um well that's uh 
That's good. I got another question that just rolled in on the chat, and I think we've addressed this one before. We get people uh, are asking, he know it's legally federally, but is it legal in Massachusetts to build your own guns? We talked about that last week, and it absolutely is. And then the very next question was, can someone legally build an 80% AR lower into a 10-round fixed mag AR pistol utilizing the Mean Arms MA lock? If so, can that 10-round be a 30 uh, a 10 round mag that was a, originally a 30 but it's limited to 10 just for the look of the 30 round mag and so I, I figure we've answered that in the past but go ahead and uh, comment on that if you would be so well, kind the question will always be what constitutes permanently mm -hmm. if you put some glue in there no if you put a pop rivet in there maybe if you braze or tack weld at a stop, then yeah, that's pretty permanent. Or if you do all three. <laughs> then you made a mess and the magazine won't work. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so we have you seen the Mean Arms MA locks? I have not. I should send you one for your expert opinion on it. But they're a pretty cool system. And what, what it does is instead of the regular magazine release you use this and it goes in place of the magazine release on an AR-15 and when you screw it in it you put the mag in obviously and then you screw it on and it has like a 916 or a half inch nut on the end of it with a shear uh, you know that shears off once it's tight you keep screwing it and it shears off so now there's no way to get the screw back out of it and uh, we go one step further and we kind of JB weld it in place and, uh, you know, fill it up with epoxy, if you will. And uh, That sounds interesting. I'd like yeah. to see that. Yeah. It's a it's a very cool design. And I think they uh, came up with something that works really well. And so, I'll, you know, either next time you're down or I'll send you one as a sample. You can be like the, uh, the legal testing facility of the... Uh, <laughs> The Cape Gunworks here. No, it's um, it, I think it's a pretty cool system. So that's specifically what he's asking about. Is that I would like to see that. Yeah. All right. Of well, course, it's not what you think. It's not what I think. It's what the cop thinks. And we've already discussed the police department that destroyed a JC Arms lower, which right. was built as a fixed magazine. And claimed that, oh, we got the magazine out and charged the guy under the assault weapons ban. Yeah. They lost, but that's because J.C. went to bat for him and right. uh, knocked it down in Norfolk Superior Court. Yeah. And unfortunately, like uh, the the cop who did that couldn't be charged with tampering with evidence or anything, right? Yeah. How about malicious destruction of property? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. What would happen if I destroyed someone's gun? Yeah. Uh, or the police officer's gun in question. But, um, yeah, I mean, that sounds like tampering with evidence to make it fit a narrative that you're trying to, you know, make it make it sound like something that it isn't. But is is that common? Have you seen that before? That's the only one I've heard of. Yeah. That's the reason we heard about it is because the manufacturer stepped up and defended the customer. Right. Not everybody has that happen and rather than pay big bucks for a superior court criminal prosecution they'll roll over and take a quaff or a plea deal 
and the cop gets to strut around and pat himself on the back for destroying somebody's property and bringing false charges. And the ADA gets to notch another win on the belt, and justice rolls on. Jeez. Crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, well, thank you, Keith. I appreciate you weighing in as usual, and uh, we'll put the put it up there on the board for people to be able to get a hold of you if they need you. Uh, hopefully they never do, but if they do, they got, they're in good hands. So we appreciate you coming on the show, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. All right, and take a private Bye. lesson. Get some one-on-one instruction tailored to you at Cape Gunworks. We have lessons for pistol, rifle, and shotgun. Book out, uh, or you can test out different guns. Book one now. Go to capegunworks.com. Click on private. I'm Toby Leary, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and we'd love you to join us every week. Go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and be notified when we go live. So we appreciate Keith Langer joining us on the uh, on the call, and we'll have him again next week with some other issues that are pressing. So a lot of people interested in that gunmakers match by the questions like, wow, you can actually build a gun in Massachusetts? Like, that's crazy. Like, I know they haven't outlawed that yet, right? Um, thankfully. And uh, so um, Scooter says, I have a 365 XL with manual safety. Can I remove it now that we can buy the FCU without one? Yeah, you always could remove it if you can. I don't know if it's, I haven't really, like, thought about removing the safety on those guns. Uh, <clears throat> thought about like JB welding them to the grip module but then you could never get it out uh, of the module and the nice thing about those is that they pop out of the grip easy cleaning and change it up so anyway um, but yeah you so there's no law against you modifying your gun like a lot of people buy a MMP shield for instance or an MMP full size and they come with a 10 and a half pound trigger pull and they hate that so they'll say, hey, can you put an Apex trigger in my gun? Sure, why not? Absolutely. So we can go ahead and gunsmith it for you. I just can't initially sell it to you unless it's the approved one. So um, that's the way it is. And uh, BTNH says he can't find our podcast on Google, Google Podcast. So we either got whacked or we got to take that up with the powers that be. So I'll find that 
and uh, so we'll see. All right, I'm going to get to some of your questions. Uh, will I will we make a 930 SPX compliant if I ship it to you? Yes, absolutely, Matt. Um, all we got to do to that is limit the magazine capacity from uh, seven to five, and we have those Mossberg magazine capacity limiters in stock. So that's not a problem at all. Uh, and Ryan says he's so excited. He's taking our LTC class this coming Monday night. Great. That's exciting news. And uh, you'll be well on your way of learning the process of exercising your rights here in the People's Republic of Massachusetts where freedom started and promptly went to die. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, once you see what you got to jump through, the hoops you got to jump through. But also, ah. you know, I'm also realizing that Massachusetts is the state of regulation. Like, it isn't just gun rights that it isn't just gun rights that they want to uh, beat you down with. Like anything you want to do, you need a license. Like we hosted a chamber event last week, and there was a uh, one of the members of the chamber came out and was going to do a uh, tasting and, you know, a beer and wine tasting or a pour, you know. So it was like a little social gathering. And so I'm in Colorado and I get a call, like people panicking, like, did you get a one-day liquor license for the shop? Like, we're there, we're setting up, and, like, the town's calling us saying, you need a license. And I'm going, oh, of course. Like, why did I think that we'd be able to have a private event and, you know, serve uh, beer and wine at it and not pull a license like oh dumb of me to even think I didn't need to ask permission from somebody to host this event like that that's ridiculous to think we might be able to do something like that so we um we figured it out last minute and we retroactively have to go apply for the license they were kind enough to let us do it because the people serving were all tip certified and all that and you know, I'm sure there weren't too many people coming to get hammered at the chamber event, but I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it's the low. There's some people that follow them on Facebook and follow them around wherever they're going for the free booze. I don't know. But anyway, um, then, like, you think about just the establishment that we have here. Uh, because we have a couple TVs playing and we broadcast some music. Oh, yeah, you need an entertainment license. So pay up. If you have a pool table, pay up. If you have, you know, streaming music service, pay up. If you're ever going to do a live, like, band in the store to promote a thing, yep, you got to pay there, too. you got to get a license for that. So, you know, we are an overly regulated state with lots of licenses for just about everything you can possibly think of. I digress. Get the best legal protection you can. Go to tech, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. U.S. Law Shield members can call their lawyers anytime, even for compliance questions. So you want to look into it. I'm a member, and check them out. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Lear. Nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline. Not a call center, 
direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. And join us every week. Go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and we'll let you know when we record. So we'd love you to be a part of the show. Text in your question or call, and we will get to it if time permits. If I can shut up for a minute and answer some questions, we will get to your questions. No, I love answering questions, and uh, so glad to do it. Um, So let's do that now. Um, um, worth the drive super nice shot Derek says alright thank you Derek I'm glad you got to come down and check it out and uh, Kevin is replying to Matt's uh, comment earlier about the uh, that the Mossberg 930 SPX is compliant as is and I'm going to have to say I disagree with you Kevin um, because it comes with a high capacity magazine tube so in massachusetts semi-automatic shotguns are limited to five rounds i know it's unbelievable um but that spx comes with an it's actually an eight plus one matt's correcting me here and so um because it's got a pistol grip and it is a semi-automatic it's limited to five rounds so there you go um, anyway, uh, Matt also wants to know if the Hellcat is on the list yet. And no, I wish it was because we got a whole room full of them. So I bought heavy into the Hellcat when I heard they were sending them for testing. And so anyway, I haven't seen them lately. So I don't know. Um, IMS is saying, do we have any 2011s in stock? No, I don't, unfortunately, but. I do have the Nighthawk Custom. Uh, right now, I think we have the President and the Chairman. The President is a 5-inch barrel, and it's a 9mm, and it has a 10-round mag. It's a single-stack 10-round, though. So if you want the 2011, the double-stack, um, I could get one ordered for you. Uh, Nighthawk does them as well. Uh, I'm not, I don't currently have any from... Uh, the company formerly known as STI, which is now Staccato. Um, but I could look into that for you and see if I can get you one. But um, I, I prefer the Nighthawk. I know they're a little pricier, but I'm really, really impressed with Nighthawk's quality. And so it's, you know, it's kind of the 1911 that we've chose to run with as far as high-end ones. I do know uh, the Staccatos are very good as well, and they're used all over in competition, and they are a little cheaper than Nighthawk, so maybe we'll look into that for you, but um, they are both mass compliant. 
uh, let's see, Skunk already asked the question. I answered it. Uh, well, Keith answered it. It's definitely illegal to build your own gun in Massachusetts. Once you build it all to uh, uh, build it up, you just have seven days to register it. So there you go. And uh, I would do it. Uh, build one out, the 365 or the 320 or the Polymer 80, you know, Glock lowers and build one out for the gun makers match coming up in November. And you guys could be, you know, pretty cool. You might be cool, but are you made your own gun and run it in a match cool? If not, <laughs> you should do it. And there's going to be people there that are going to even 3D print their own guns. I know, right? It's like still legal for the moment. Uh, I know people are, uh, there's people that are very interested in this and the government is like, holy smokes, like they're actually proliferating information on the internet and people can download these files, these CAD files and 3D print a gun. Are you kidding me? Um, I forget the guy's name. It was like uh, Cody Wilson, I think. Did I just pull that out of the recesses of my <laughs> cranium? I think Cody Wilson oh was his gosh. name. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but uh, he started it all a few years ago by uh, coming out with a Liberator pistol. And it was a completely 3D printed gun, and it used a nail for the firing pin, and it was a single shot, 45, and he called it the Liberator based on like what they had in World War II, those cheap sheet metal guns that they were airdropping out of gun uh, out of airplanes to like the people living behind the lines in France and stuff to be able to fight against the Germans with these single shot little sheet metal pistols. And I think they cost the government like a couple bucks to make or, you know, maybe pennies to make. And they were just airdropping them out of planes for people to have something to defend themselves. And so this guy comes out and puts on the open source web a plan to 3D print your own gun. And the politicians and the anti-gunners collectively lost their mind. Their heads exploded. Like, you can't put this on the internet. And it was like, what are you talking about? I can't put this on the internet. I have a First Amendment and a Second Amendment right. So he put it out there. They shut him down. They, you know, I mean, there was instantly legislation on the floor of the house, like, ghost gun legislation, 3D printed firearms that evade metal detectors and all this stuff. Like, no, they still have some metal springs and a nail inside that are going to set off a fire, you know, a, a metal detector. It's not like, you know, you're 3D printing every part of the gun. And then when you put a bullet in it, guess what? It sets off a metal detector. So it's like, you know, I don't know what the heck they're actually uh, thinking when they say this kind of stuff, but they don't think before they speak or before the writing law. So they were so panicked that the proliferation of these liberator pistols on an open source platform was going to be given to, you know, everybody out there on the on the Internet and they're going to be able to print their own guns. That's crazy because we can't tax them and we can't keep track of them and we can't, you know, do background checks before they the printer goes burr and all that but the the reality of the situation is that he was cleared and now it's become quite a thing people are printing guns all the time and 
it's a hobbyist kind of nerdy thing to do with your 3D printer. And it's not like you're setting up shop, building guns that are gonna then overthrow the world. It's, it's a hobby that brings you pleasure. And you can showcase your skill at the gun makers match. If you do 3, 3D print your own gun, we wanna see it and we wanna see you compete with it on November 20th and 21st. Just don't forget to register it if you do it and within seven days you register it. So it's all good. We're looking to spread some freedom, freedom seeds downrange with your freedom gun that you printed or built yourself. So check it out at the gun makers match. And uh, this is the end of the first segment. Wow, time flies. Thank you for joining and tuning in on this show. Remember, the show ends now, but it goes on for another hour. So tune in at tapegunworks.com slash rapid fire. Join us on the range or hear extended answers to your questions. If you're sticking around for the second hour, we'll be right back. If not, we'll see you next week. Don't go away. I'm Toby Leary, and this is Rapid Fire. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road Hyannis or capegunworks.com. Welcome to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, sponsored by Vortex Optics. We are glad to have you here. This is your weekly Second Amendment radio show called Rapid Fire because it goes quick. And uh, the content of this show is exclusively all things guns, Second Amendment, freedom, and self-defense. Every once in a while, I wander into the rabbit hole of politics and whatever else is on my mind, but... It's usually a pretty quick stay there. But we want to hear from you, so go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and type in your question into the chat box. So we would love to hear from you. And we will be getting to your questions here soon. So um, if you missed the first hour, you're going to have to go back and listen to it on a podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. It's Rapid Fire, all one word. I heard there's a glitch in the Google podcast world. And we will try and get that fixed. But if you go to iTunes or any of the other podcasters, you should be able to find it. It's rapid fire, all one word. And we also archive the show on our website, capegunworks.com. 
click on rapid fire. You can find us on all the usual suspects uh, under the handle at Cape Gunworks. You can go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, all that stuff. And then some of the newer alt uh, type of social media like Parlor, Twitch, Daily Motion, Getter, Telegram, Rumble, etc., etc. So we'd love to have you join us and share and subscribe and spread the word um, that we are talking all things guns here in the People's Republic of Massachusetts. Behind the lines where freedom was born and died. <laughs> so if you haven't seen what restrictive gun laws look like, come on down to Massachusetts and we'll show you. We'll give you a heaping helping of what anti-gun laws look like. So anyway, uh, if you come to Massachusetts, don't bring your gun. And then when you get here, if you do have a license to carry in this state that's a non-resident license to carry, you better bring your ammo because we can't sell you any. It's a messed up, screwed up state. But come on down to Cape Gunworks and we can get you shooting on the range at least. We'll be able to help you in that regard. So anyway, before the hard break here, we were talking about the uh, 2011s and do we have any in stock? And I said, no, we have the Nighthawk Customs. We'll certainly look into that. Um, and then Howie's wondering if we have any HK products in stock. He has a USP 40 full size for home defense, but he's looking for a P30SK for concealed carry. And he's curious how I would compare it to a SIG 365. So that HK P30SK comes in three different configurations. It comes with a decock only, which is not a bad way to have it. It comes with a single action, double action, with a safety and a decock, and it comes with an LEM trigger. So my preference on that gun is the one with the LEM trigger. It stands for Law Enforcement Module, and it's the closest thing you could get to a striker-fired gun um, because it's basically a double action only, but it has a lighter trigger pull than the standard double action with the decock. So you always have the same weight trigger pull, which I really like. And it is a little bit longer than a typical striker-fired gun. So comparing it to the 365, it's going to feel like about a mile and a half of trigger pull compared to the short little click that you get with the 365. It's also very wide. It's like it's the difference between holding, say, a Frisbee and a baseball. <laughs> you know, the Frisbee is very thin in your hand, like a 365, and the, the P30SK is very bulky and thick, but it has finger grooves and it's very comfortable. So if you don't mind the extra thickness, it's certainly a great gun. I've sold a ton of them. We have, we have, we have one on the range for rent as well, so you can check it out and compare it to the 365. Um, but I, if it were me, I would hold out or special order the uh, 365. I'm sorry, the P30SK and the LEM trigger. So there you go. Breaking news. <laughs> Matt wants to know what a good 1911 is that is not going to break break the bank, and that's a good question. Um, if you want a yeah, Professor Claus says Nighthawk. Uh, I think if you don't want to break the bank, you could get a Springfield Armory Range Officer, which is basically, or the mil spec, 
those the mil specs probably their cheapest one it, it's like the 1950s configuration or the 1940s the world war actually even earlier the world war ii configuration um but the range officer has some nice upgrades that are still you know right around a thousand bucks 1100 maybe and uh smith and wesson makes a great one sig makes an excellent one for the money when we can get them they're really hard to get uh but right now i think we have a springfield armory in stock um we also have a couple of the auto ordnance ones which are really good price they're they're actually an excellent price for the money uh i have the really cool all color case hardened one that one's a little pricier though it's like 14 1500 bucks but they're pretty neat guns and the basic one i guess is like 700 bucks but i like those because they're american made um and you know you can get into some of the filipino ones like the rock island one but it's tough to get aftermarket parts that fit with it good and whatnot they're heavy clunky guns i'm not as much of a fan about them but if you want just a cheap shooter yeah, I get it. They're they're definitely not going to break the bank. They're in the $500 range. So you can check those out. That's where I'd start. But if budget allows, I'd try to get at least to the uh, range officer, the Springfield Armory. And then it goes up quick from there. You get into the TRP and the uh, those ones that Springfield makes. Or the Smith & Wesson ones can get pricey quick as well. All right, Davey's thankful that we checked on his order from last week, and uh, no problem. And uh, let's see, Keith is answering somebody's question here about why even supply your Social Security number. I don't provide it for the 4473 or any pistol permit applications. I must have missed a question that um, he's referring to, or maybe it was something I said. But yeah, I agree. Oh, I see. It was the first question when Davey was saying he put the wrong social security number on his paperwork. I think, Keith, the reason he does that is when you get a delay every single time you buy a gun and you've never put your social security, you're saying to yourself, well, maybe if I put the social security this time, I won't get a delay because they'll know it's me and not the, you know, the axe murderer that lived up the street. So I would I would assume that's what's going on. But um, yeah. Maybe you should just get the uh, U-pin. Unfortunately, for some people, I know that they've got the U-pin and they still get delayed. It's like, oh, man, how many hoops you got to jump through? And the U-pin is the federal unique personal identification number that you can apply for if you get delayed or denied every time you apply, you know, you try to get a gun. Uh, that is supposed to connect the dots that it's you and not the terrorist that lives up the road. So, um <laughs> Yeah, but I've seen people with U-pins still get delayed. They were not happy because they it's like a six or eight month process to get a U-pin. It's sometimes a long wait and you're hoping all your problems will go away with this federal U-pin, but not so much. Anyway, Chris says some of Smith & Wesson seems to be leaving mass and I can't say I'm shocked. Yes, that is a sad, sad state of affairs. For Massachusetts losing a good company that provides a lot of jobs I guess out of the 2,500 hourly employees they have they're gonna be leaving 700 here to to work on revolvers which are still legal to sell in Massachusetts for a limited time <laughs> until they can figure out how to ban those death-dealing revolvers so let's hope they never go there all right 
Um, if you're looking for a great legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. It's U.S. Law Shield, and you get a special offer on their membership program. I'm a member. You want to be one, too. And we will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline. Not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Rapid Fire. This is Toby Leary, your host. Join us every week on Rapid Fire. Go to capegunworks.com. Click on Rapid Fire. We'll let you know when we're going live so you can type your question in or call into the show. We'd love to have you on. We'd love to have you be a part of the show. And please like, subscribe, share, and all that good stuff. And we'll keep the ball rolling. This is actually episode 23 of 26 in season two. So, We've been rolling along good here, and we're about to crack open season three in a few weeks, so I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, we started this whole thing with, uh, well, let's see where it goes. And it seems that people in this part of the nation like to talk about guns. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thunk it, right? And uh, it's, it's pretty cool that, you know, no matter where you live, people like freedom, even though it seems sometimes on the surface that, they don't, but I think most people do. And even in very blue states, people like their guns. So my hat's off to you, Massachusetts. You still like your guns. We don't like tyranny, though. And that's something that we are living under right now. And we want to see that go away. And hopefully some of these Supreme Court cases that are on the docket will be heard and we will see some positive movement on that front. So, all right, MacMan has a question. He says, Toby, do you use, or Professor Claw, you could answer this too, um, do you use an optic on your carry gun? Question mark. And the answer to that is yes. As of, I think a month or two ago, I started carrying a 365 XL with a red dot sight after much debate in my mind that has gone on for a couple of years, really, especially even as a firearms instructor, I used to get frustrated when people would show up on day one of a 
class with a red dot sight on their gun before they even really knew how to fundamentally shoot their gun. And the reason I had a hard time with that was the red dot sight is the training aid, right? It's the it's the part that can make you get the hit even if fundamentally you're doing things wrong. So what I mean by that is even sights on a gun are the training wheels, right? The raw skill of being able to hit the target kinesthetically aligned and unsighted is the basic skill. That's what you need to learn first. So putting the training wheels on and riding your bike down the sidewalk doesn't mean you know how to ride a bike. It means you're able to pedal and you know lean on those training wheels and you're ringing your bell and the tassels are flowing in the wind and your dad's sitting there taking a picture and everyone's clapping and you got a big smile on your face and it makes you feel good. But it's not really riding the bike. It's not really driving the gun. It's not really running the gun in a way that you know how to do it fundamentally so that you can hit a target at the most likely distance that you may need to use a gun in a self-defense situation. So I would rather remove the training wheels and send you down the driveway and let you swerve all over the place until you figure out how to get the gun to point and aim kinesthetically aligned with the target. So that's really what we do and that's what we push. So I don't want to show up to a class, you know, a beginner's class or a intuitive defensive shooting class with my gun all decked out with a red dot optic with people who don't know how to run their gun yet. So this was something I struggled with. Now, I do know how to run my gun and use it in a way that enables me to hit the target kinesthetically aligned. So in other words, the red dot doesn't do me any good at the most likely distance that I would need to use my gun in the most likely situation that I would find myself in in a defensive shooting event. So 90% of all defensive shootings take place between 9 and 15 feet. That's not very far. That's 3 to 5 yards. It's outside of two arms reach, but it's not quite, you know, like touchdown or whatever, uh, you know, first down distance, right? So then another 5% takes place from 15 to 21 feet. So, you know, another from 5 to 7 yards. So that's 95% of all defensive shootings in this country take place in that range. So even at that outer limit of 21 feet, I can drive the gun out and kinesthetically, without using sights or a red dot, hit a high center chest target with multiple shots string of fire. That's what I hope everyone would endeavor to do. If you can't do that, don't put a red dot on your gun yet. I'm going to say yet. Practice without your sights, getting kinesthetically aligned with the gun, meaning the gun is in and parallel with your line of sight. So you want the gun up in and parallel with your line of sight, both eyes opened, focus on the threat, anywhere between 9 and 21 feet. All right. And if you get it down at 9 feet, push the target down to 15 feet because it's going to spread your group open. And then make sure you can shoot a multiple shot string of fire and get the hit that you need to get. If you're missing, slow down. If you're, you know, hitting too tight of a group, shoot a little faster. 
called the balance of speed and precision. So I've said all that to say this. Once you know how and understand how to drive your gun, you can run it you know, at full extension and getting the hits that you need to get. Then you can think about what is likely or re- not likely but reasonable, plausible to happen outside of the most likely to happen. So you can expand your training parameters to say, all right, well, now I got that part down good. Now let's start using the sights and shoot on smaller targets uh, because that is plausible that you might have a smaller window of opportunity. Maybe there's somebody shooting at you from behind a door, behind cover, so only their head is exposed. Or maybe they have uh, a hostage situation where there's a target in front of them that you don't want to shoot. It's a no-shoot. Or, um, you know, distance, maybe a further distance than you're most likely going to be in. in. Uh, so at this point, now using your sights is really important. Closing an eye, focusing on the front sight, getting equal height, equal light on the rear sight, and making sure that the target is, you know, the, the front sight's on the target and maintaining that sight picture as you press your trigger pull. So you get really good at using your sights. Cool. That's awesome. That's the secondary skill to the basic skill. That's the more advanced skill. And most people teach you how to use sights first because they want you to get the pleasurable experience of hitting the target. But you could have real crappy fundamentals, horrible fundamentals, bad grip, bad stance. But if you're using your sights properly and you got a decent trigger press, you'll get the hit. So that gives you the dopamine spike that you're looking for and like the high five start and the attaboys and you're going to hold up the, the target for the camera. But you're doing yourself a disservice. All right, fast forward to the red dot. I said all that to this to say this my eyes aren't getting any better they're getting worse no doubt with a red dot sight I only have to line up two things instead of three things I line up the red dot and the target with with iron sights I got to line up three things the front sight the rear sight and the target Um, also I can shoot better at distance and for precision with a red dot sight than I can with iron sights I've proved that to myself by shooting offhand, weak-handed at 50 yards with a red dot optic and hitting the target. I couldn't do it with iron sights, and I did it with a red dot. So for that matter, for that reason, I've gone to a red dot sight. It doesn't do me a lick of good in the most likely scenario that I find myself in, which is, you know, 9 to 21 feet, multiple shot string of fire on a single attacker. So that's the really long answer to why I have gone to a red dot sight. Uh, it isn't for the novelty of it. We had a guy come into our action pistol class and it was really frustrating to watch him shoot because he had a very low grip on the gun. He wasn't high up on the beaver tail. He had horrible grip, horrible stance, horrible trigger press. He barely hit the target and uh, he would run every week and I'd try to give him some tips, show him some better grip, better stance, you know, how to, you know, look through the gun instead of try to find your sight, blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, he was like, oh yeah, 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 thanks. But I could tell he was just yesing me and I was like, okay, whatever. All of a sudden one week he shows up with the red dot sight and he starts getting the hits with terrible grip, terrible stance and all that stuff. And he's pumping fists in the air and like, yeah, this is awesome. And I'm going, oh man, what a missed opportunity to make you a good shooter before you throw the 
the, the training wheels back on. But there you go. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. But that is why I've gone to the Red Dot site now. They're here to stay. And now the, the price of doing that is negligible. Where it used to be a couple hundred bucks to mill out your slide and maybe even 300 bucks. And then you buy an expensive $600 RMR and put it on there and whatnot. Now the price of Red Dots has come considerably down. You can still buy the $600 RMR, but you can also buy a $200 Sig Romeo or uh, Holosun or a Vortex and get a lifetime warranty on a good red dot site and a lot of the guns like the FN MRD or the 509 Tacticals or the tons of the uh, um, Smith & Wesson M&P series are all coming milled out for red dot sites. Uh, Glock came out with the MOS. Uh, Sig 365 XLs, you know, it's come standard on it. So it's easier to put a red dot sight on a gun than ever. And so for that reason, I've decided to make it my everyday carry. Um, the XL is now my everyday carry. So hopefully that clears it up for you as to why. But don't make rash decisions. Make sure you can shoot your gun fundamentally soundly before throwing the training aids back on or using the crutches. So there you go. That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. And uh, don't forget to check out Date Night every Friday night and Ladies Night on Thursdays. Yeah. Uh, try our range experience package. If you don't have, you don't even need a license to carry in order to do that. If you've never shot a gun and you want to try, it's a great way to go. You get to shoot three different guns and have fun doing it and take home a good target. All right. So uh, you're listening to Rapid Fire. We will be right back. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex.
right, welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, Second Amendment, freedom, and self-defense. And thanks for joining us. We love having you be a part of the show. So go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and let your voice be heard. You can call into the show or you can type your question into the chat and we will answer it, I promise. Kind of, maybe, if time permits. And it's not offensive to me. We don't want to offend. Anyway, we're not one of those not willing to offend some people. I, I can offend people all the time by saying a 1911 is not the best gun of choice for self-defense. That gets a lot of people. It gets a lot of people angry and hurt. So I'm not afraid to step on some toes every once in a while when I need to. I do like 1911s. I own one. And I'm sending my first handgun that I ever bought. And I did buy it for self-defense, by the way. It was a Colt Combat Commander 1911-45. The man's round. At the time, I thought I had this one-shot stopping power. God's gift to handgun oh my it was i was cool it was cool and i was a cool dude for carrying it in my galco fletch thumb brake leather strong side holster and (laughs) i carried that puppy around for 15 years thinking i was all that in a bag of chips and then i took my first class and i was like what have i been doing my whole life they're definitely more efficient tools than this old war horse. And don't get me wrong, it's a nice gun. I like it. Yeah, I enjoy shooting it. It's fun. It's a great gun. But, you know, modern technology has changed some things since 1907 when that gun was designed by John Moses Browning. And I think I proved that point to Russ when he took me up on a range outing like he shot against me and after like his third shot the gun jammed (laughs) his gun jammed like three shots in and i'm you know i just sat there with my striker fired reliability go mowing down the target but anyway um so yeah that's what we talk about on rapid fire all kinds of stuff and uh let's see i'm gonna get back to some of your questions here um are there military exemptions for gun laws in Massachusetts? Ten hut! Only if you are a law enforcement MOS. So if you are like a military police or some sort of, you know, you have powers of arrest, then yes, you're exempt from the assault weapons ban and the magazine capacity ban. You're still subject to the approved weapons roster but you can now have quote-unquote assault weapons and you can have large capacity magazines so but you have to have powers of arrest and uh another question popped up what if i'm active duty military do i need to take the ltc class and that is a great question because you do not if you are active duty military have to take the LTC class. Just go straight down to the police station and give them your $100. You don't have to stop here and take a class. You can go ahead and apply. Um, but getting back to the other question of um, if you're law enforcement in the military and you have powers of arrest, then you can own 
I love the way the attorney general says it best, that your rights are still intact. So she hasn't completely wiped out your rights yet, but you're exempt from the assault weapons ban and the high capacity magazine ban. Um, Davey says, I'm going to build a Glock 19 Gen 5 this winter. Do I know where you can find a nice chrome or stainless slide? Uh, yeah, I think we could find you a slide for that. If if not, we could always just send a, uh, a Glock slide out to be chromed for you. Uh, we have a great vendor that does a hard chrome finish. They even do the black chrome finish, which I really like. That's what I was going to do with my 1911 Combat Commander. When I was still carrying it around, I was like, I'm going to put the black chrome on this thing because it looks so cool. And I still might do that. I'm going to send it down to Nighthawk Customs and let them do their their treatment to it. So it'll be fun when it gets back. I don't know what finish I'm going to do. What should I do? The last 1911 I bought was the black multicam. It was the 6-inch Chairman with the 2011 grip on it. And it was pretty cool. I sold it. Uh, though didn't last long when I decided to put it in the case it sold pretty quick um, so our fixed magazine lower receivers legal in mass absolutely Frank yep we sell them all the time here um, we we do that all the time so no problem at all you can possess own build and do whatever you want with that fixed mag lower receiver uh, Vinny says uh, I love, do you have a Hellcat? I do not have a Hellcat, um, but maybe I'll be getting one. Um, I'm thinking about getting one to let my, and again, I'm not getting it, quote unquote. I, it'll be the store's gun because I can't transfer it to myself. Um, but it, I'm thinking about letting my daughter use one for competition because she's shooting a Canic tp9 sfx right now and it's a big gun and it's starting to have some reliability issues um so i'm thinking i might try the springfield hellcat osp with the wasp compensator on it and the it comes with the hellcat or whatever they call it the um there's a they make a red dot site that they sell with the Hellcat OSP with the Wasp package on it. So that'll be interesting because it's a much better size for her hand. It'll still be 10 round capacity and we'll see how she shoots it. I might let her try it out, but still until we can sell them, I can't transfer it to myself. So boo, that's a bummer, but that's the way it goes. All right. Uh, Bob says, Marine Gun Builder on YouTube has some excellent P80 build tips. Well, thank you for that. That is good to know. And we will also have lots of tips at the Gunmakers Match on November 20th. If you want to come for the Education Day on the 20th, we'll help you get your gun built, show you, point in the right direction. And uh, they go to capegunworks.com, click on Gunmakers Match. To get signed up and registered for that because tickets are selling fast and you're going to want to be a part of that. Um, I have a conference call later in the week to discuss that and see how signups are going, etc., etc. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So you can build your gun on Saturday and then shoot it on the 21st, Sunday. And then the 22nd, by the way, 
I will be filling in for Grace Curley, the full three-hour show, Monday the 22nd. So I'd love to have you join me that day. Breaking news. And we will discuss how good and awesome and epic the Gunmakers match was. And we don't want to see a, see you guys cry that you weren't a part of it. So make sure you get signed up uh, while there's still a chance. Uh, let's see. Lewis came in last weekend, and I wasn't here. He was looking forward to meeting me. I apologize, Lewis. I was attending to some family business in Colorado, and uh, he's asking if we still have the 9mm ammo for 20 bucks, and we do in ample quantity while it lasts. So come and get it. Uh, so range ammo for 20 bucks. Who'd have thought would be happy about that? <laughs> no limit. $20 a box for 9mm. And, you know, two years ago it would have been like, what are you, nuts? Now we're like, what a deal! I'm coming down. Um, it's the way it is, man. And at the height of the pandemic, I was paying double that for ammo we were selling in the shop. It was ridiculous. Uh, and I wasn't making much money off it. Let's put it that way. But fortunately, some of the costs have got a little bit under control. I'm afraid it's not going to last. And I don't say that to be use scare tactics and, you know, better hurry up now and come and get it while it lasts. I'm not, I don't, I don't care whether you buy it or not. We're going to sell it. The point is, I got off the phone with a vendor uh, last week and he was saying, I don't see any breakthrough in sight. And this is one of the big, big ammo manufacturers, not just a vendor. And he was saying that it's, it's very, very difficult to get components right now. Also, the bottom line is that everybody can just turn on the news or turn on the interwebs and you can see the huge supply chain logjam on the West Coast happening. So getting stuff into this country is a problem. It's not easy. And, you know... I think it's only going to get worse while there's, they're really going to epic proportions with this COVID mandates for companies over 100 and, you know, courts are getting involved, flights and pilots and airlines are, you know, finally standing their ground and lawsuits are being filed and all this stuff. None of this is good for the economy. None of this is good for business being done. And frankly, it's probably the right path to take is to say, you know what, we're not going to take it anymore. Um, we're just going to sit here and uh, walk away. Or, you know, you can pay us pay us benefits, whatever it is. And uh, that's probably the only thing that's going to loosen the burden, unfortunately. Um, but I don't care where you come down on the side of vaccines and all that stuff. I, I didn't bring all this up to talk about that. I brought it up to say that it's not good for the supply chain. And if we don't get some things right quick, it's going to be a long haul on the ammo front. Not to mention all the, you know, malarkey in Congress being proffered as reasonable uh, common sense gun control. One of the latest ones is this bill um, <laughs> that affects every manufacturer, importer, and retailer of the gun industry. And they call it the Safe Keeping Act or Safe Gun Storage Act. 
So they want us to open guns out of their boxes and put a hardened steel peg through the gun with a padlock that can't be cut with bolt cutters. So the padlock has to be shielded from bolt cutters. On oh my God. Every single gun in your inventory, every single night at the close of business, every gun must be locked up like in this manner. And the AG reserves the right to impose further restrictions upon individual uh, gun stores, gun manufacturers, importers, or distributors so that even if they're doing all that, but they haven't hardened the target in other words, they don't have security cameras or alarm systems or, you know, gated doors or, you know, bollards in, around the building or something to that effect. So they can they can put extra restrictions. So this bill is pending and this would literally cripple the gun industry. I mean, if you think about the logistics of that, picture a company like Smith & Wesson or SIG as they're making the gun, it has to come off the assembly line, go to get test fired, and then it has to be bolted in some whatever contraption that's going to have to be made to be compliant so that bolt cutters can't cut the lock and the quarter-inch hardened steel pin that goes through the trigger guard or through the barrel or whatever it is uh, you know, can't be torched or cut or ground off the gun. And this is going to have to happen every single day when you unlock and lock the guns up for when you open for business. Give me a break. Hopefully this doesn't make it very far in the in the House and the Senate. So, But you never know. They keep throwing it against the wall and hoping something sticks. But hopefully it does not and it gets thrown to the trash heap of where bad gun legislation should go. All right, if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, come on down to Cape Gunworks. We have regularly scheduled classes. Every week we do multiple classes, including ladies only, couples classes. Go to capegunworks.com, get signed up, and you won't regret it. And we will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1 MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16 MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low light shooting, and because the reticle is glass etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target up to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC3. 
Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and join us every week for the only Second Amendment show where we talk all things guns, Second Amendment, freedom, and self-defense. Sometimes we talk gear, sometimes we talk politics, sometimes we talk law, but it's usually centered around the Second Amendment. So we're happy that you are here and be a part of the show by going to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and you can type your question in. Don't forget to follow us on all the usual social media suspects at Cape Gunworks. And we will see you on the webs, the interwebs. All right. Um, we've been getting to your questions here. I want to get try and get to everyone before the show is over. So uh, let's see here. Um, Bob says, I wish... I wish Mass allowed the Colt Commander Wiley Clap model. Looks awesome on the Colt website. And yeah, some of those Wiley Clap models, the Talo versions of those guns are pretty cool. But Mass has deemed that to be not a safe gun for you, Bob. So you can't have that. You can look at it at the Colt website, but that's it. That's it. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to buy it at a local gun store because it hasn't been destroyed in a testing lab and deemed to be safe. Even though there's other Colt guns on the target shooting roster that have the same exact operating system function and, you know, parts and components. Oh my gosh! But it didn't go through all of the testing because it's on the target shooting roster. So the Colt Combat Commander is a half an inch shorter. So it's four and a half inches long instead of five inches. Therefore, it must be tested. It must be sent through the ringer to make sure it's safe that you don't, you know, harm yourself when you're using the gun in the way and manner that it was created to be used. And they want to make sure that that gun doesn't blow up in your hand. But just think of how much they care. I mean, the state really cares about you, Bob. They care that so much that they want... Colt to spend about $10,000 to get that Wiley Clap model added to the shooting roster. That's how much they care. Um, they just want to make sure that you don't harm yourself, you know. The funny thing is, they don't care about police because they say that the Colt, I'm sorry, the Glocks are just too dangerous for us to own. But yet they exempt police from the Attorney General's regulations. So I think they want cops to die. They give cops guns that aren't safe. And 65% of all police departments use Glocks. Like, I think this is a conspiracy. I think it's really, oh really dangerous. And the precedent that we are setting and the message that we are sending to our police departments is, you know what? You don't matter to us. Obviously, they defund them and then they give them Glocks for crying out loud. So... Jeez, unbelievable. Max saying, guess when Smith & Wesson leaves our state, the slides won't say mass, but Tennessee now. Boo. <laughs> and uh, we stay. All right, Smith & Wesson, stay. We love you. Well, you know, I can't blame them. How do they risk 50% of their business going away because of the state that they operate in? So the representative that represents them in Massachusetts, in their district, is the one that filed legislation to say that 
manufacturers cannot manufacture guns that they can't legally sell in Massachusetts. So more than 50, about 50% of their business is AR-15s. And because they can't legally sell those in Massachusetts, this representative thinks he's doing some good for the people of his district by banning or making it so Smith & Wesson can't, sell AR, can't manufacture AR-15s anymore in this state. Well, he's patting himself on the back and accepting those uh, donations to reelect him. Uh, he is really a, a special kind of stupid because he's running out 2,500 jobs out of the state and in his district. How, do, how can he say he represents that district when he's driving an industry out of his state? Go figure. Um, it's really a tragedy. And that guy ought to be tossed out on his head for chasing an icon in the industry out of this state. Loser. Yep. Hopefully his re-election committee banquet dinner has about one person in it. And it's the person going, why did you do this? You're a moron. Anyway, get the best legal protection by going to, by texting CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Coverage starts at $10.95 a month. And if you text that number, you're going to get a special deal from U.S. Law Shield. You can call lawyers whenever you need to, even if it's just for compliance issues, compliance questions. Check out U.S. Law Shield. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. And we will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline. Not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and thanks for joining us. And make sure you join us every week. Go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and get signed up to be notified. Or follow us on the social media or on the web. You can also listen on the radio. If you are listening on the radio, thank you for joining us. And we archive all these shows on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Go to Rapid Fire on the podcast of your choice, except for Google. I don't know if we got kicked off or I got to circle back and figure that out, but we'll try and get back on Google. But go to any other podcast site. You should be able to find us rapid fire, all one word. Um, so Derek says his form one 
for SBR has taken six months now. Is there any maximum amount of time that they can actually make me wait? Not to my knowledge. I don't think they're under any duty to get to your Form 1 in any specific amount of time. So hang in there. Usually it takes about six to eight months if you do it the old-fashioned way on paper. If you want to speed that process up in the future, create an account on the NFA website and e-file. So it happens a lot quicker. I've heard people getting their tax stamp in as quickly as three weeks if they do it over the um, the e-file process. So uh, Bob says the Biden gave the Taliban free trigicons. <laughs> yes, he did, and a whole lot more than that. The trigicons are the probably one of the lower ticket items that he uh, he gave them. Uh, so Jim says, in my opinion, stainless chrome or standard black nitride barrel, which is the best for an 18-inch barrel on an AR build. And if I was to do an 18-inch SPR build, I would probably do stainless. I like stainless barrels. Um, they're pretty rugged. They don't need to be chrome lined. And mine on my one of my guns, I easily have 20 or 30,000 rounds through it, and it's still holding really tight groups. So some of the barrels we sell here are made by a, one of the best barrel makers in the country. He makes barrels for many different companies, and uh, us included. So we sell those as our Cape Gunworks Precision Rifle Barrel, and I can get them on a Schillen or a Bartlein blank or a criterion blank even the house blank that he makes is a phenomenal uh, blank that you're going to get sub minute of angle accuracy out of it and very reliable uh, rugged barrel i highly recommend them but there's nothing wrong with a chrome molly line barrel or a black barrel like the regular nitride finish i if i was going to have the nitride finish I would probably want the chromoly lining in it. It'll just keep it a little bit, you know, cleaner. There's also all kinds of other coatings you can get done on barrels nowadays. Um, the one thing I I think is personally a waste of money is the uh, the cryogenic cryogenic. Uh, you know, there's that process where they uh, freeze them in a deep freeze and claim that accuracy is improved and I just don't know about that, but I've seen pros and cons of it. It's an expensive process, and basically I'm going to shoot my gun longer than that process would hold true. So I shoot it till my group size opens up beyond acceptable, and then I replace it. Um, but most stainless barrels will last you a long time like that. Uh, let's see. Michael says, if I rent... A commercially zoned space for my wife's studio could I apply for an FFL and apply for an SOT in the same space you can uh, as long as zoning doesn't prohibit you um, you'll have to look into that and the, the ATF uh, or the AFT as uh, President Biden likes to call them uh, will come down and inspect the space and make sure that it's adequate they will also check the local zoning bylaws to make sure that it's compliant with local and state law. The big deal is they will issue the license if your primary purpose is to sell guns for a profit. They will not issue an FFL for 
the hobbyist who just wants to get cool stuff at cost. So, you know, just bear that in mind. But uh, people do it. You know, they do say, oh, yeah, we're in business to make a profit. And then they basically just buy their own stuff. And it does happen. But it's expensive. So even if you think about it, the SOT, you're going to spend a minimum of 500 bucks a year uh, for the SOT. So, you know, is it worth it? <laughs> so, yeah, you can have some cool stuff, but you're going to be spending 500 bucks a year. So that's basically the SOT is the special occupation tax. So you're paying tax up front so that you can own stuff like machine guns and uh, suppressors and whatnot. And if you want suppressors in the state, you have to be a manufacturer. So if you're a manufacturer, that opens up a whole nother thing about uh, whatever it is, uh, ITAR and all that stuff. So just be careful. You could you could easily find yourself spending two to twenty five hundred bucks a year in taxes um, just so that you can have cool stuff. Uh, but if it, you want to make it a business, yeah, by all means, do it. Um, you could certainly use whatever commercially zoned space if you know for your wife that that you rent for her her studio. And I did that. That's how we got started. I rented. Um, I didn't rent space. I already owned it at my woodworking shop. And so we had a fairly secured door under the staircase going upstairs that we had like deadbolt in and we had some alarm and whatnot and security cameras. And so when the ATF did their inspection, like, where are you going to keep the guns? I unlocked this closet under the stairs <laughs> and it was like this, you know, awkward sloping ceiling in there. But once you're inside, there was some shelves and I still to this day have like all the shelves labeled 9mm, 40, 45, 223, 380, where we would stack a bunch of ammo. And I had like, I don't know, half a dozen guns in there. And that was it. We were by appointment only. And we, we that's how we started. And humble beginnings. Uh, Chris wants to know if we still have that SL8 in stock. And we do. Uh, we have one in the shelf, in the case out there. Uh, I don't know if that's my last one or not, but yeah, we have it. And Thomas is wondering if we will ever see poly shell ammo. I would assume you mean like poly case ammo, and absolutely, that is coming soon to a gun store near you. We're not going to carry it until the price comes way down, because right now it's way more money than brass. There's actually some hunting ammo made by... Huh, who the heck makes it? Shoot, I should know this because they were offering it to us. It might be Norma, um, but it's a high-end hunting cartridge that's made in a polymer-cased round. But it's like 6 or $7 a round. I'm like, okay, what What am I missing here? What is the big benefit to spending that much for a hunting round? And you know what the website oh says? <laughs> the website says that it shaves off weight in your hunting gun. And I'm thinking, okay, so I got four rounds, maybe three or four rounds in the gun, and I'm going from brass to plastic in the case. How much am I actually uh, shaving off? How much weight did I just shave off? An ounce of my whole setup? Yeah, I'm not gonna spend seven, eight bucks a round to shave an ounce off my hunting setup. Uh, <laughs> come talk to me when it's cheaper than brass that's the way i see it so all right 
Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. We love having you guys on. And this show ends here, but you can always tune in at capegunworks.com. Click on Rapid Fire to pick up on episodes you missed. You can binge watch and you can fall asleep to the wonderful sound of my voice. So keep up the good fit, fight, support your local community and your local gun advocates. Together as Americans, we can overcome. We will overcome. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. We'll see you next time.